This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24 podcast. We are set to record this a week away from the national championship game between LSU and Clemson in New Orleans. But we're going to first break down all the recruiting news from what was a busy week with two major All-American games, the Under Armour and the All-American Bowl this past weekend. I'm Billy Ambody. With me, Shay Dixon, to break it down for Go 24-7. Shay, Happy New Year to you, man. I feel like it's been forever. Hey, yo. What's up? I'm still alive and kicking. I uh, We've both been on the road nonstop, but yeah, I did, uh, what did we do? SEC Championship, straight to the Heisman in New York for uh, a handful of days, and then what after that? Golly, I felt like something else. Maybe we had a little break, uh, and then we went to Atlanta for Christmas uh, ahead of time. So was there from Sunday to what Sunday Sunday to Sunday after the game on Saturday came back home uh and now got a little break uh while Bill oh I know what I forgot signing day happened in that uh, whole stretch which is half of what we're talking about um but yeah now I got a little break this week uh and then we'll head down there you and I this weekend and, and cover the game then on Monday yeah we're gonna tear it up in New Orleans but first we've got to talk a little recruiting Ellis you got some big news over the weekend and I want to start with that Dwight McLaughlin, four-star defensive back out of Texas, announcing at the All-American Bowl that he's going to go to LSU, pick the Tigers over really USC and some others uh, live on NBC. The Tigers got a little bit of pub with uh, Dwight McLaughlin, and he's a 6'2", 180-pound defensive back, can really play multitude of positions, I think, at least after seeing him and, and what he's put on tape. He, he even had over 1,300 yards as a receiver for Klein Oak in Spring, Texas this, this year. Uh, he's a top, top twenty-five defense, uh, top twenty-five corner on on the twenty-four-seven Sports Composite. And Shay, this is one where, you know, LSU just kind of kept him warm and ended up saying, you know what, let's let's go ahead and 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 get you on board and and committed in the class. No doubt. I mean, and we saw what happened, right? They went into uh, that december signing period and they trimmed a few guys right that they told and let's just be picture uh, sort of clear here major burns a cornerback out of baton rouge they told him hey look we're not going to be able to send you You can only send 25 lois we're not going to be able to send you one and sign you right now um we're going to wait uh in february may well be a spot for you but uh major who's wanted to be an early enrollee as well had other options he said look i'm going to go to georgia he signed with them, and that left LSU with what? Elias Ricks at corner and Jordan Tolls at safety. So we knew they would come back on the back end evaluating DBs. And as you said, I think Corey Raymond did a good job here of keeping Dwight McGluthern and a few others warm, recruiting them nonstop. Uh, he knew McGluthern wasn't going to sign anywhere in December, uh, stayed on him. And in case a situation like this presented itself, and it did, and uh, they got McLeathern on board, and I know you've seen him a bunch over the years, Billy, but for a kid, and I said this on the board, you don't just stumble into 1,400 yards receiving and 18 touchdowns and 
uh, four or five picks. I think he had 15 picks in his career, four or five as a senior, um, played in the return game. Uh, and then obviously we saw him, uh, most of y'all listening has probably either saw it or read about it. Um, if there were a defensive MVP of the, the um, All-American game in San Antonio, which you were at and you were there to see his announcement, uh, I think McLeathern made a good case. He had a couple of picks. He almost had a third. He returned one for a TD. Uh, his team won the game uh, with Bryce Young at quarterback and him playing well on defense. So uh, I feel like for me, Billy, at this stage in the game, if you've got six open spots and now five, the pool has shrunk so much, you know, of kids who signed early that the same talent that was there a month ago isn't there anymore. That just means you have to go and shuffle your board and figure out kind of uh, what big guys that can maybe make an impact for you are still out there. And uh, I think they felt like with uh, that many spots available and, and a need at DB that McGlothern could maybe play some corner and safety for him, or maybe receiver. I don't know, but uh, they valued him as, as a take. Yeah, I think one thing, and you kind of made a point point of it as well uh, today in a tweet where you talked about how many of LSU's signees in the 2020 class are over 6'4". McLaughlin's not that. He's 6'2", but he's a legit 6'2". I mean, he's got length, he's got size, and that's something that Corey Raymond really loves. And another thing for me, and it, look, I, I think I, I would have, if, if hindsight is 2020, I would have rather Major Burns in the class over him, but when you look at what you're getting in him, you've got, you can, for the most part, always work with size in the SEC and at least have somebody that can contribute on special teams. Uh, like I said, has the size right there. And another thing that, that he, he pointed out is he's from Louisiana. His, his family's from Plain Dealing right outside of Shreveport. And so this is kind of something that uh, he's got some Louisiana ties, even if they were a little bit, a little bit understated. And he was very, very excited to, to jump on board with LSU. I think now that the process may have humbled him a bit, I think that's what we saw. Um, he was so excited to be choosing LSU on stage. He said he had always wanted to end up there. He got his chance, as we just described. And for a kid who was a borderline five-star, you know, early on in the process, had every offer from every big team. Um, as things dwindled down, I think people started to, you know, they pushed for other guys over him. LSU took major burns at one point, but uh, for McGlothern, I think that he senses that this is his opportunity. LSU came through, uh, and I think you're getting a kid probably who's coming to campus a bit hungry to make an impact. No question about that. He'll be back in uh, what he described as his home state of Louisiana to do that for college. One player that I think right now isn't going to end up in Louisiana, though, is Zach Evans, a five-star running back. From North Shore, who now 24-7 Sports has learned, is working to get out of his letter of intent with Georgia. He did sign with the Bulldogs, as we've told Go 24-7 subscribers, and, and everybody kind of knows at this point, it's really poorly kept secret, that he did sign with the Dogs in the early signing period. Now he's looking like he's going to get out of that national letter of intent. Georgia's probably going to release him from that. A lot of people look at this and say, okay, it's LSU and A&M. Shea, I think. I mean, both of us did put crystal ball picks in for him to land with the Aggies, but this saga just continues, and it's not going to end anytime soon. Zach Evans, though, is is one step away from being back out on, on the open market, though. Yeah, I mean, the twists and turns continue, and, and obviously you summed it up well. I mean, this is a case where he signed with Georgia. He was going to hold it uh, and kind of keep quiet uh, with things. They were going to hold it, and he was going to announce it under armor, and when he didn't, we knew something was up, uh, and now it's it's being pretty reported um, that 
he's not going to sign with him, as you said. You can check all this out on Go 24-7. We've got uh, kind of a main story about the nuts and bolts of it and then a story about what LSU's kind of push is now. But I guess it'd be best summed, for me, summed up for me, Billy, as moving forward, LSU's evaluations are always ongoing. Uh, and it's one of those things where you have to wonder if they don't see this and say, okay, well, he's, he's had ample opportunity to come here. We sent him an LOI in December. He didn't sign it. He visited here more than anybody. Does he really want to be here? And you couple that with kind of everything that's gone on and now knowing that Jameer Gibbs, the number nine running back in the country, and I'd imagine beyond Evans, I'd have to look at the list. I think he is the top unsigned running back in the country. So, I mean, if you're talking about not a lot of available options who have not been signed already, Gibbs is the cream of the crop uh, right up there with Evans. And then beyond him, there's going to be other names coming uh, who are top 25 unsigned running backs. You can check those out uh, on the site, but they've got three or four running backs that they're gearing up to host for official visits. And because of that, Billy, and I, I think this is the smart move is let's not go back all in on Evans. And then these other kids say, well, I mean, he could end up there. I'm just going to go somewhere else. Get these other kids to campus, get a feel for who might really be interested and who do you like and then take it from there. And if that means that the twist of fate, all this right ends with Evans at LSU, maybe, but I would write out this Gibbs and other guys coming to campus and press pause on everything with Evans, uh, because I don't think you'd imagine anything's happening with him right away. I doubt he's still going to be an early enrollee. I'd try to see what else is out there first before you make any other moves. Yeah, I'm with you as well on that. And, and look, Jameer Gibbs looked you know, very, very good at, at, at All-American Bowl practices this week. Somebody that rushed for an obscene amount of yardage at Dalton his senior year in Georgia and, and is one of the top risers in the country at the running back position. Uh, so I, I say look at him. Look at Cabantre Bradford out of Lancaster, Texas, who, who's unsigned as well and was productive as a senior. Because I think both of those guys are quality backs. And, and you've got John Emery and Clyde Edwards-Elair and or John Emery and Ty Davis Price and and Chris Curry returning next year in all likelihood and and potentially Clyde Edwards either although I think he's more likely than not going pro so you you've got a good stable of backs you need one though you've got to sign one there's some quality out there maybe you take a little bit less of a risk on the the personality or the or the character or what have you in some of these other guys um, and and maybe sacrifice a little bit just a tiny bit especially when you're talking about Gibbs in terms of the true raw talent that's out there at running back. But it's going to be interesting to see what LSU does with the running back position. Another position that certainly showed uh, that it could be even even better uh, in the late signing period with somebody like McKinley Jackson and Jacoby and Guillory potentially pairing up together uh, was, was their performances at the All-American Bowl uh, this week and what they were able to do. We're going to talk about that where things stand with Jackson's recruitment, as well as another LSU signing that balled out in his All-American game. We'll talk about all that and more on the other side of this break from the Go 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. 
a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. A quick reminder, guys. The deal is back on 30% off annual subscriptions and a dollar off that first month of Go 24-7. Shay, Shannon tweeted out the top 25 sites in the network in the month of December in revenue. Go 24-7 right up there in the top, top five. And a big reason why is we grew by 186% year over year. And that's the credit to everyone who's reading, everyone who's subscribing. And, and it has been a terrific year. Uh, and we're looking forward to uh, continuing that trend on Go 24/7. But definitely check it out uh, and and try free for just or, or try for just a dollar. It feels like it's free for that first month. Shay, back on that recruiting uh, talk we've been we've been having here. I think two guys stood out to me at All American Bowl when I watched them, and that was McKinley Jackson and Jacoby and Guillory. And and for Guillory, look, he he was was outstanding and, and that was really from day one they when they really started going hard and they started uh you know being padded up and things like that he was he was a nearly unblockable he was he was outstanding and somebody that coming into the event you know we checked him in right at his 6 2 330 330 uh at check-in day and of course he reports well i'm squatting my 725 i'm bench pressing 450 pounds He's got his, his sights set on another state title in powerlifting, and he showed why. He was moving the pocket. He was collapsing things and disrupting everything on the field. And I, I felt like he's somebody that, that we're going we're gonna to see a big rise out of uh, in the rankings because of it. Yeah, I mean, he's an absolute bull. I mean, that's the best way to describe it is. Uh, and I thought that Charles Power had a good uh, quote on, on the podcast, College Football Daily on 24-7 Sports. Uh, you can check that out each day, but they went heavy on the, the practice week. And um, he said, look, most nose tackles out there, even guys who are good coming out of high school, um, can be valued as space eaters. They can eat up a couple of blocks. They can draw a lot of attention. And he pointed out, not only does Guillory do that, but he's so disruptive. He, can, he has a couple of moves to get by you. He can bull rush you, obviously. And we're talking about a guy who's a state champion in the, in the shot put and national, two-time national champion. Uh, in powerlifting, his squat uh, and bench and deadlift numbers are insane. Um, and then you see the finished product this year as a senior, a really awesome senior year uh, at Alexandria. I don't have the stats in front of me, but he had some ridiculous number of, uh, of tackles for loss and uh, really showed kind of how disruptive he can be. And then you put him out there against really good O-linemen, the best kids his age in the country. And you saw it, Billy, every day uh, he seemed to deliver uh, more and more. And uh, I think I agree with you. I think he's a stock up guy. I'm anxious to see where he finishes out, but uh, I won't be surprised if he's a top 100 kid, which uh, for a nose tackle is, is a very nice ranking. I mean, that's saying you're getting drafted uh, between the first and the third round of the NFL draft. And uh, I think Giller is probably trending in that direction coming out of high school. Yeah, he was outstanding. Another player that was just as disruptive was McKinley Jackson. And, and look, McKinley is somebody that probably has won – a lot more fanfare than than Jacobian just because of how highly ranked he was as as 
I mean, gosh, really a, a, a rising sophomore. I think he was right up there, number one defensive tackle in the country at some point. And he ends up having a terrific senior year, wins, uh, wins Mr. Football in the state of Mississippi, and then is the MVP of the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Game, and then comes out to All-American Bowl and has a terrific week and, and was really disruptive. And so, um, again, I, I think both of those guys really stock up and, 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 and just were disruptive. And, and with LSU sitting where they are from McKinley-Jackson, going to get that first official visit here in January, you got to like where things stand. But, look, Alabama's still lurking. Auburn's in there a little bit. Ole Miss. Uh, Georgia's put an offer on the table. Texas A&M. I mean, this is this is going to be one of those probably wild ride type of finishes for Miss uh, McKinley Jackson, who's who's really shown his worth and and why he made the right choice of of, of signing late. Hundred percent. And you, can you imagine what uh, a one-two punch of of Guillory and Jackson? We saw it. They were on the same team this week. Uh, but what they could do for the interior of a defensive line. And, and I know Ed Orgeron would love to have him back. He was a one-time commitment uh, and said, I'm reopening things. I'm going to look around. He's never committed anywhere else since, as you said. LSU gets his first visit, but two more visits will follow. And it'll be interesting to watch because we know A&M's been after him. And now we know this new Ole Miss staff uh, has been after him with Lane Kiffin. And he's already got Bama and Auburn. Uh, in that same mix. So I'm in the camp where it's going to be an incredibly tough pull uh, to get a kid out of Mississippi, as is always the case, but especially at this point in the game when so many teams now say, okay, everybody's off the board basically that we loved at defensive line, um, except this guy, you know, except McKinley Jackson. And I think all five teams are going to go all out for him or, and find a way to get him into the class, have the room uh, to bring him in. So because of that, I don't know which way he's going to end up going, but I'm with you. You at least have to like that, A, he's been committed before. B, he, he is from Mississippi, but he lives closer to Baton Rouge than either of the two Mississippi schools. Uh, not that he's looking at state, but point being. Uh, and then third would be uh, the simple reality that they get him uh, on their first visit and a visit this month uh, for a weekend stay. So we'll be covering it. We'll see where it goes, but. Certainly, if you want to talk upper echelon guys, right, Billy, of who they could close with, Jackson is right near the top of the list. Yeah, and the thing that I found most interesting, and, and look, this will change, but as you're building a coaching staff and things are a little crazy, maybe you just hadn't gotten around to it, but Lane Kiffin had not spoken with McKinley Jackson uh, when we talked to him at check-in day uh, for the All-American Bowl, which is interesting. So, like you said, it's going to go a bunch of different ways. I think if I was handicapping it based on the buzz that I heard kind of on the ground, I would still I would say at this point, Georgia, LSU and A&M, it seemed like, you know, he was very complimentary of Alabama. But even that buzz had kind of died down over over like the last you know half of his season. But you can't ever count them out um, unless Ole Miss starts you know talking to him. It's hard for them to you know be a potential landing spot for him. But, yeah, he's he's going to show up at LSU for that first official visit. And then from there, we'll see kind of how it all plays out for him. But he's a terrific talent. And he and he's a terrific, terrific young man, too. Really enjoyed catching up with him as well at the All-American Bowl. It seems like yesterday uh, he had made that that commitment to LSU. Uh, and now he's just a few weeks away from signing. Shay, we'd be remiss. And we probably saved the best for last, honestly, in terms of the week overall that an LSU recruit had at an All-American Bowl. And it, it's Kayshawn Butte. And he signed with LSU during the early signing period. 
He had a terrific senior year, almost 2,000 all-purpose yards, I believe, and, and just was outstanding. He's, he's got the track stats to back it up. Then he went to Under Armour down in South Florida and was just dynamic. He was, he was, the be- he was probably the best wide receiver there outside of Julian Fleming, uh, both from a rankings perspective, being a, a top 40 kid, but also just from a performance and what he brought to the table. I thought Kayshawn Butte was just awesome. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. When you produce like he does statistically with um, well over uh, 1,000 yards receiving, uh, about 1,000 yards rushing, I think he was about a 2,000-yard guy when you mix them together. So Westgate did it all with him. I mean, they were giving him sweeps, throwing him the football, uh, whatever they could do to put the, hand, the ball in the hands of the best player they had. Uh, and then you throw in the track times. I mean, if you're going sub-22 uh, in the 200 and, and sub-11 in, in the 100, uh, and you're really good at football, uh, that makes for a pretty dynamic receiver. And he's got the explosiveness. He's got a little bit of everything, but I think what ultimately is going to push him to be uh, the state's number one prospect across these recruiting services is that he really developed as a receiver. I mean, his route running is is more than good enough uh, coming out of high school, and his hands are there, which was something he always talked about needing to work on uh, when he kind of jumped onto the scene in ninth grade and, and became a prospect. He said, I'm I'm an athlete right now. I just need to figure out uh, how to become a true receiver. And I think that we saw it. This might have been the, the final chapter of his high school book here uh, at the All-American game uh, down in Orlando or down in Florida. And boy, did he look the part. And now we have him ranked right now as the number nine receiver in the country. It's obvious he'll move up from there. But how far? And I think a lot of people do believe that Julian Fleming, he's going to Ohio State, part of a really good Ohio State wide receiver class, is the best receiver in the country. I have not seen Fleming play in person. I saw his Under Armour stuff and have seen his highlights, and he's no doubt legit. But, uh, boy, Billy, we're not on the rankings team, but we kind of get the sense that Butte is going to make a case to put himself up in the conversation with everybody else behind Fleming, which could mean ultimately that he does land a fifth star uh, if he falls into that top 32. And I think he's maybe 49 in the country right now. So it wouldn't be that uh, crazy of a rise to see him do it. And uh, I'm with you. You saved the best for last year because I think it's a total package. You can argue that beyond Eric Gilbert, uh, he might be at the moment LSU's kind of most ready or at least most um, kind of hyped up recruit in this class. Yeah, I think in just looking ahead here and not to discount how athletic and how incredible of a player Trey Palmer was coming out of Kentwood, but that spot, that battle for that slot position next year is going to be a really fun one to watch because Kayshawn Butte, and especially I think I think we ended up getting him a little bit below 5'11". I think he was finally kind of verified under that uh, six-foot range. And so I, I think he's just going to be a, a terrific slot guy for LSU. I mean, you can't really go wrong, I think, with either one of those guys. But the way Kayshawn Butte's finished his high school career, he's just been outstanding. And, and uh, he's going to compete for playing time right away. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, he could do it as as uh, a former five star recruit as well, and which would give for for look if they started Kayshawn Butte, this would be un- unbelievable, I, I think. But just kind of looking ahead, that would give them three five star starting receivers uh, next season, which is just unbelievable. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. And I'm with you. Don't count out Trey Palmer, who we all know we saw on his punt return, but his senior year, much like Butte's, was phenomenal from a football and track perspective. He went to the state championship in baseball. He's just a pure athlete. And I think that if he's done anything this year to soak up what all those other guys uh, in front of him have taught him, uh, boy, I think he'll be dangerous. So 
even knowing that they took a hit in December, Billy, and lost uh, two big-time receivers, uh, I think it's pretty evident that uh, you've got Coy and Butte coming in and all these guys coming back, minus probably Justin Jefferson leaving early, uh, that even though you won't have Joe Burrow, uh, and we'll see who the quarterback it is, I presume it'll be Miles Brennan, uh, that he's going to have some folks to throw to because they will not be hurting for receivers next year, especially considered how good Jamar and Terrace are right now. Imagine how good they're going to be next year, uh, how much further they'll develop. Uh, we saw the jump they made from freshman to sophomore. Sophomore to junior should be just as impressive. So, uh, boy, wide receiver is not a position they're hurting at, uh, which is why, Billy, and we'll wrap it up here, I won't hate if one of these final spots isn't used on a receiver because I think next year's got so many that uh, you don't have to worry about really ever uh, getting down the depth chart far enough to hurt you. Yeah, and to kind of build off that, and we'll end it with this, but 2021 is a, is a pretty great crop of, of wide receivers as well that uh, and LSU already has one committed uh, already uh, in that cycle, four-star prospect Deion Smith. So, look, I, they're, they're not hurting for, for receivers. There's going to be plenty that want to play in this type of an offense. You already have a Blitnikoff Award winner to sell uh, to recruits in the future. So, anyway, uh, an embarrassment of riches for LSU at receiver as it's kind of been but uh, it seems like it's going to a new level. So, Shay, uh, I will uh, catch you around LSU this weekend or this week as we get ready to, to cover a, a national championship game. But really, uh, we'll be headed to New Orleans this weekend, and uh, it's going to be quite the ride. But uh, recruiting will take a little bit of a pause, I would say, uh, at least on the pod for the rest of the week. But we wanted to get this one out of the way to you guys. Hey, I'm excited about it. We're geared up. Yeah, check back with us all week. We'll be going heavy. Uh, LSU Clemson. Uh, we'll get some folks on to talk Clemson, so uh, I'm excited about it. People, people have been in our mentions, Billy. When is the pod coming uh, back on a, on a routine basis? And and here it is. Yeah, all that holiday partying and and uh, right. travel work wearing down on us. But uh, that is all we've got for this pod. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we'll have plenty more this week as LSU gets ready for a national championship game appearance against Clemson on Monday night in New Orleans. Go 24-7 and 24-7 sports. We'll have you covered on all of that. But with that, time to wrap up this pod. Hope everybody has a great week and had a safe and happy new year.